Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Mic check, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go again. Another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we're going to be talking with Jacob Coons from the Hunt Detail Podcast right here on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. And this is the second installment of the ATA show review. And uh, because I wasn't un- because I was unable to make it, I decided I wanted to talk with people who did have the uh, ability to go to it. And Jacob was more than happy to come on and share his experiences at the ATA show. Now, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say it's a good episode, man. He goes into a detail, and the reason I like I brought Jacob on the network is because he is very detailed about hunting gear uh, on his podcast on, on hunt detail and so I've, I've felt it's a no-brainer to get him on and have this conversation today uh, you're going to hear him talk about uh, saddle hunting mobile hunting gear um, uh, a weird interaction that he had at the the ata show while at a booth space with i guess one company claiming that another company was infringing on their patent and how that was handled and how he thought maybe it should be handled different. Either way is what it is. Listen to the podcast and uh, you'll find out. But that's what's going on today. Short intro. I do want to send a huge shout out to the people over at uh, Code Blue Sense. They... Their, their company is, is great. The people that work there are great. And I've had nothing but really good success with some of the products that I've decided to use this this year, especially the Ropadope system, which is, is pretty crazy how well it worked in regards to getting deer to come investigate a, a big blue rope that hangs in the tree, in, a, in the woods or on a tree, mock scrape underneath of it. You put this preorbital gel on it and every single deer on the farm in that area came to investigate that rope at some period, some period of time and the smell that's associated with it. Did they work up the scrape? Some did, some did not. But I am going to say that it, it's absolutely crazy how well that this worked as far as getting trail camera pictures of deer getting inventory of some of the deer that were in the area and it's just it's got me brainstorming on how to use this in a hunting strategy type of invite like in a way in a hunting strategy way where i'm going to be able to hopefully hopefully make a mock scrape within shooting distance and all these deer will come to this like a magnet and I'll have plenty of opportunities on the right, right access route, on the right wind direction that will put me in position of a lot of deer every single hunt. 
especially in the timber, close to bed, downwind of bedding, you know, things or staging areas where you would traditionally find uh, heavy sign. So if you're looking for the Ropadope system or a variety of the different scent-related products, go check out codebluescents.com, read up on all their products. If you do decide to purchase something and when you're reading, make sure you focus on their quality control. That's very that's a big thing with them. It's quality control of their product, of their scents. And so if you do decide to buy a product, enter the discount code NFC20 for 20% off. All right, let's get into today's ATA show review. It's the second installment of that. Enjoy. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the ATA review show that I was unfortunately unable to attend this year. Today, we're going to be talking with Jacob Coons. Uh, This was your first ATA show, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, Dan. Thanks again for allowing me to be to represent Sportsman's Empire. Um, Yeah, it was it it was a good time. I mean, I've heard you know, that ATA isn't what it used to be and that sort of thing. But honestly, Dan, if, if there were like, I don't know, 10 guys in a room talking bow hunting, you know, and nerding out on gear, I'd, I'd probably pay to go to that too. So yeah. um, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, the big, you know, Hoyt and Matthews aren't there. And, and you know, there's some of the big names like that weren't there. But, um, but I think it, it creates an opportunity for smaller companies to, to sort of gain market share because obviously the ATA is, you know, for manufacturers and, and for retailers to come together and to do business and right. to process orders and, and to move product. And so um, with, uh, you know, Bear Archery was there, Prime was there and, um, oh gosh, the, um, there's another, another boat company, PSE was there. And, and so I think th- those guys probably are glad that Hoyt and Matthews aren't there because it gives them an opportunity to, to maybe gain a market share point or two. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it really is crazy how, you know, the ATA show is supposed to be. It's supposed to be one of the biggest uh, gatherings of archery in the the nation, and I just feel like a lot has changed and you know i i think the first year i ever went to the ata show was 2007 i want to say mm-hmm. or 2008 and uh it was it was an awesome experience i mean it was huge huge room tons of people showed up for it um every dealer every mom and pop store in the united states that sold archery equipment was there Every name in the industry was there. Every major brand was there. And uh, I think just from the way business is now done electronically, it makes sense not to spend $100,000 on a booth space and then an additional $10,000, $20,000 on feeding and room and board for the people within these companies too. So... I understand, you know, from a cost analysis standpoint, why some of these companies aren't uh, attending it. But at the same time, you would think that it being the biggest gathering of people in your industry, 
it would be a ne- in, in some way, shape, or form a necessity to be there. But it seems like for some companies, it's it's not. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Like, um, there's I remember watching it from afar and seeing some of the biggest celebrities there and hunting. Uh, for me, it's like, oh, there's, you know, there's so-and-so or there's such-and-such. And I remember it being here in Louisville one year and Cam Haynes was in town. And, you know, um, and then, of course, there were the big bow manufacturers. But I talk about a little bit about this on, on my podcast that, you know, you have all this information and all this media that um, that we didn't have eight years ago. Right. And so now, like, I, I feel like archery bow hunting has got to be and go, going to multiple states and being mobile has got to be more popular than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of this new manufacturing that is available, whether it's, um, you know, these small shops making sticks and stands and platforms or you have uh, the 3D, um, the 3D printing where you have small companies making oh, these components. And, and so. Like you have all this new manufacturing, all this new interest and, and buzz. It seems like there would be the ATA would just be packed to the gills bigger than ever. But Dan, to your point, you have direct to consumer and I can get a lot of the things that I need. And oh, by the way, and this is on a personal note, I have my own bow shop. Like I don't, yeah. I have a bow press. I have things of that nature. I don't want to go somewhere else um to work on my bow or hire somebody i know some folks do but Mm -hmm. but for me it's it's so it's all i can educate myself and it's all diy and it's all directed to to consumer in terms of uh of a bow build and and some of that stuff so it's really it is putting a squeeze on that that archery uh retailer that bow shop yeah i don't know it's a it's a funny place because i know some uh i know guys good people great people uh, who are bow shop owners and i just like they're starting to get priced out of certain things and it's just not affordable uh certain certain aspects of it are not as affordable for us as end users as it used to be a handful i mean gee some of these art bows now are are if not already at two grand for the flagship model, very close to $2,000. And I remember years ago complaining about it being $1,000, right? And so the the jump from $1,000 to $2,000 for a bow has seemed to, you know, let's say it was $500, $500 to $1,000. That took a longer period of time than it did to jump to that next $1,000. The, the, up another thousand dollars for a, a flagship right. bow so okay so off the bat first time at ata what was the vibe walking through the 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 room this year i mean i thought it was really upbeat and positive and energetic and and i spoke to i mean probably 30 different companies again my focus dan was really on mobile hunting gear any upgrades with within that space um and then also like new gear that are new technology or new um gear from new companies i didn't spend any time with the bow companies that were there with bear or psc or um 
with any uh, prime. I just, you know, some of, as we, as we all know, the iterations with bows are really small at this point. And so I really didn't want to spend a lot of time there and I didn't have a whole lot of time. So I spent a lot of time bouncing around to, to different companies and trying to talk to different people. I even saw, I mean, there, you know, there were broadhead companies and I love looking at broadheads, but I didn't even really spend time there because I didn't feel like there would be jumps in the, the broadhead market that would yeah. be of, of great, of great uh, consequence. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I talked to, again, those, these folks that were there are there to do business and, you know, a, a goof like me coming by and asking them and saying, Hey, can I record you talk about, you know, this product or that product, you know, they, they're not really there for that, but the, everybody was really generous with their time upbeat. We talked about the seasons and that we had and all that. And, uh, it was a really positive, I did have one experience that was a little ugly and, and I'll, I'll, actually, I'll, I'll talk about that now, actually. Um, this is kind of juicy. Okay. So have you heard of Iron Will Broadheads? Yes. They're okay. $3, right? They're made in America, right? $3, or excuse me, three broadheads for like 100 120 bucks or something like that, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. And, and, and they're really well made. They're made out of tool steel. Um, uh, Single bevel? Uh, well, the, he has dual uh, single bevel and double bevel. Yep. He started out with double bevel. Um, they're all fixed blade. Yep. And uh, and they're just ultimately they're really well built. I have a couple myself, and 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 Bill is the owner. His name's Iron Wheel Bill, and uh, he's he's um, he's recognizable if you if you sort of are interested in that space like I am. And so I was talking with a newer broadhead company, and they were sharing with me their fixed blade broadhead and and these guys were real nice and and it it had some unique features to it it had the, 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 the i won't sort of get into the the nuance of that but had some unique unique features and i was i thought well this is going to be a, a nice looking broadhead and so as i'm finishing up talking with him iron will bill comes up and he's like and he's he's very dry very serious and he's like tell me about your broadhead and and it's like <laughs> it's almost like if you came up to me and told me about you know like tell me about your podcast Jacob and yeah. I'm like well uh, Dan I mean you're a celebrity uh, I don't know it's just me talking but yeah. anyway so this so I, Bill wanted to really understand what his competition was selling what is the mm -hmm. ad so s tell me about your broadhead and so the guy was like said hey Bill um, and you know he knew who he was and he started to sort of fumble through it. And then Bill goes, yeah, I think you're infringing on our patent. Um, <laughs> you better uh, talk to your lawyers about that and, uh, or something. And it just was like, as I was standing there, like I had been there for several hours. The whole, everybody was just super nice, super positive and super engaging. And then when I saw that interaction, it just made me realize, yeah, this is still, this is still business mm -hmm. and business is never personal. And while I don't agree with how Bill handled that, I, I think you could have handled that with a little bit more tact um, and maybe, you know, pulled that guy aside and said, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee or something. Yeah. Instead of doing it sort of in a public uh, fashion. Hey, but here we are talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, here we are. We're talking about no. it now. You know, so. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it just, I think to answer your question, the vibe was awesome. Everybody was awesome. Mm -hmm. Everybody was pumped, and it seemed like people weren't really, even though it, it's probably a long, a long day for those folks. It just that 
you know, that was kind of a, a damper on, on the experience. I thought, man, you know, I understand that there's patents. And I understand there's patent infringement, but again, I think there could have been a better way to handle it. And it kind yeah. of, a kind of ugly side of business. Yeah. Well, I will say this in defense of iron wheel bill who I've never met yeah. before. That stuff happens all the time. I can remember a handful of years ago, there was a company that came out with a product that looked exactly the same and had the exact same functionality as another product. And so what they did was they, it looked, it looked like they saw it, they ripped it off. They now have a, this company has a skew of it now. And it was like a bow hanger. Or something like that. I don't even remember the name, the brands that were involved with in in this. But it was a big deal. And there was patent infringements on there. And lawyers had to be, you know, I followed up with it uh, from one of the guys that I know who works uh, for one of those companies. And there was there was lawsuits. And they had to stop making, well, you know, here's what happened. They didn't stop making it. But I think the result was that they got a percentage of every, of, if those products sold, they got a percentage of it until the patent was expired. So you can take it down or you, yeah. but they had all this, they probably had all this inventory that they needed to sell of it. So instead of us saying, take it down, whatever, you can sell it, but we're getting our cut out of it. And so that, man, I've I've heard so many, It's and that's not just in, the archery industry that's everywhere in every industry people are trying to rip each other off i mean for a while there one of the big issues at the ata show was people from other countries coming taking pictures of it of the product and then going to china and ripping it off and selling it online somewhere and so that was a a huge you know that there's but how do you how do you file a lawsuit with someone in a country where their country doesn't even care about what these people are doing? Right. And so, Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah no, no, I, and, and, you know, on that same vein, Dan, like I, I I've got a new product called half sneak. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's not going to be anything like full sneak. Um, I promise you, I promise you, it, but it's, <laughs> that would be, dude, that would be hilarious. If a company came out with, half sneak half sneak I'm gear just, wow uh, no i uh i don't want to get punched in the mouth so um but uh uh no and all yeah you know one of the things that bill was talking about was was the shape of the dimensions of the point on the broadhead yeah um which the, are the angles but we don't have to get in the weeds on that but yeah. you're absolutely right like you if you're in business you want to protect your patents you there's a lot of investment in that and, and, you know, and if that company, the new company didn't do their you know research, then shame on them, you know, so, yep. Yep. Uh, or if they were trying to do something sneaky, shame on them. So I'm not, I'm not saying Bill was wrong. I just thought it was like, if he, he could have done it a little differently, I thought, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's, I, I know guys that have to, you know, they, they deal with that so much and they're so busy that they have to just be like, Hey man, you're infringing on my patent. Just want to let you know. I'm going to go back over and do my thing now. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the mobile game, right? Every year I hear 
buzz come out of the ata show it's like oh my god did you see this tree stand it's a game changer and i walk over to it and i touch it and i feel it and i go and i just have this sigh come over me like it's like dude there's nothing special about this yeah ooh, ooh, it's a different platform design like you know like i remember there for a while now it's in the uh it's in the saddle area it, all that type of thing, all that innovation and stuff is going off in the mobile saddle hunting arena. But I can remember when it was in the hang on area where it's like, ooh, ours is lighter, ours is different, ours is better, ours does this, theirs doesn't. And you go and you you set set them and obviously there's a different look to them, but you set them right close to each other and they do the same exact thing. Right? And one might be five ounces lighter or five ounces or or the, the the cut of the platform might be different or the seat might be different but it's still a hang on tree stand right yeah and so talk to me a, a little bit about what you found as far as innovation new technology in the saddle and mobile arena so um the big buzz was i mean last year latitude came out with their carbon fiber climbing sticks and and I actually have a set of those, and that was a jump forward for me personally. Yeah, because of you know they were they were lighter, they were they didn't make metal noise. There's no moving parts. There was the attachment method was was quick and quiet. It wasn't like buckles or anything like that. So, so you know there's always something like that. And so this year it was Trophy Line, and they came out with their Hyperlite uh, sticks and platform. Now, the, the, the dynamic here is that it's made of a different compound called magnite. And, um, and, and sort of like, I assume that it's some composition of ma- uh, magnesium and, and some other alloy metals or something. Um, but what's interesting is that Expedition Bow Company also has a bow that's made out of magnite. Okay. And so magnite apparently is um, stronger uh and lighter than aluminum and uh stronger than carbon i think some of the issues with the concerns about carbon is you know strength of it over time or especially when you have you know carbon sticks or whatever um and so magnite is also it's um it, it's it it's it has a it's less has less vibrancy so it doesn't vibrate as much so i like i grabbed those sticks and i clanked them together and it was very, it was significantly duller. Yeah. You know, it was more of a thud than a ringing sound, like two aluminum sticks coming together. And and obviously, if we're mobile hunters, we, we want to get, you know, as close to where we think the deer are as possible. And uh, and the less noise, the better. Um, so, you know, I think that they, it was interesting. It came in third place in the new product um, innovation awards that ATA gives out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it is just a set of metal sticks and a metal platform. And I did ask if it had any different like temperature qualities, because with carbon, it's not necessarily cold to touch on a freezing day. So like it could be nice to stand on a platform that's made of carbon because it doesn't, you know, freeze your feet off like aluminum does or steel does. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, there's no difference there, apparently, in terms of with magnite. But the sticks and, and the platform were, were well-designed, pretty cool. I mean, they were relatively light, I suppose, for, you know, uh, the fact that they were metal. Uh, but um, I think, you know, the marketplace will, will, will tell if, if that's a significant enough 
difference for them to move away from maybe B sticks or whatever yeah. other sticks they're using. Um, what was the price point on those? Uh, you know, Dan, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. And I don't even know if they have established that yet. Gotcha. I, so I know, they're not even on the market yet. They're just, Hey, here's what we're coming out with. Yeah. I mean, they might have, I, you know, to be fair, they might've told me about the pricing. Um, I, I, I was more interested in sort of the technology yeah. and, and, and some of the differences than, than the actual price. But um, yeah, like a lot of companies will, as you know, we'll, we'll announce these big things, but they're not going to have them available to purchase for three or four months. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so trophy line was, was one of the, you know, sort of the, one of the big buzzers there. Um, I talked to some of, some of the other saddle companies and they're like, Hey, we've got some things in play, but we're not ready to launch it yet. And yeah. we're just, we want to launch it. We don't want to create a demand or buzz for it. In, in, in sort of um, annoy our customers um, when it's not whether maybe when it's not available at the summertime and maybe it's not something until we launch until late next year or something. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've noticed in the industry is that someone will sometimes someone will come to the ATA show or they'll make a big announcement online about, hey, check out this awesome prototype we have. It's going to be available in August right before the hunting season. Go go to go and get it pre-ordered. You pre-order it, and then it's like, here it is, October. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We don't have it yet. It's you know, it's it's on its way. We're working on it right now. Uh, hey, just want to let everybody know there's a little bit of an error in uh, the the shipping, or uh, there's going to be you know, especially during the COVID years, right? You saw a lot of that. Um, yeah. But but then the hunting season kind of is here and maybe almost passes. Oh, we're shipping today. We're shipping today. And I'm done with my rut vacation. And now you don't even get to use the, those, that product until next year. And that can't happen in, in my book. If you're going to hype up a product and tell people that's going to be available for the next hunting season, you better make damn sure it's available for the next hunting season. You know, um, I'll talk a little bit about what Tethered brought um, to the ATA this year. I thought it was kind of interesting, and it ties into what we were talking about. But I will say that Tethered did that exact thing a couple of years ago with their carbon platform. Yeah. They won an award, and then it built up all this buzz about it. And then I think that was like a year and a half ago. And then they finally launched that carbon platform this Black past Black Friday. Um, and, and so, you know, because it was like, oh, it's supply chain or whatever, but um so what what tether did was which also got some buzz and i think it was a really smart idea on their part is they have a um for folks that come into saddle hunting and i just did a big review on saddles uh myself on 14 different brands 14 different companies and it can be overwhelming for yeah. even someone i've i've saddle hunted for like five years now and it's a little overwhelming because it's like you know, just the different variations in, in brands and bridge bridge length and or, or adjustability of the bridges and attachment points and all that stuff. And so what they did was they have a, 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 a basically saddle kit in a box for retailers and it's retail only. You can't get it. It's called um, Grit. And um, I'm looking at one of the brochures now and it comes with, you know, it comes with everything like your saddle, 
you get, you know, you get a, you pick your saddle kit, you pick your platform, you pick your um, accessories, and it makes it really streamlined for someone new to sort of. And it also was part. It shows partnership from Tethered with retailers because it's not someone isn't going to a retailer and then buying it from Tethered.com. Yeah. It's like the only way you can get this package is, and it's. I think it's. Uh, I can't remember the pricing on it, but it seemed like it was priced pretty reasonably yeah but if you go to a retailer you can get this whole kit and it comes with you know um, ropes and and all the stuff that you want uh for your saddle kit and i thought it was a really good idea because it, it really demonstrates to the, re- the the bow shops there that hey tethered actually really gives a damn about us and they're not just trying to get people to come into our stores look at that stuff and then buy it online or whatever yep absolutely um and i know that novex you know, when Lone Wolf, like right in that transition, the Lone Wolf to Novex, right? However you want to play, however you want to say that whole thing went down. But they had yeah. something called the Hunt Ready system. And I think you're, to be honest with you, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that in the world. Just like, hey, I want to do skateboarding. Okay, well, here's a kit. Comes with a skateboard, comes with knee pads, comes with helmets. Or I want to be a hunter. Well, here's your first hunting kit. And it's just going to be this one-stop shop. You click a button and everything gets shipped to you. Whether that's boots, camo, you know, tell me your size and I'll send you something. Or, you know, the the tree stand kit as well. The hunt-ready system like Novex has. So uh, I feel like you're going to see a lot more of that. I, I think you're right. And I think... You know, folks like you and I or other guys that really nerd out on stuff and are get really nuanced with it, we're at the very far end of the spectrum. And and in the other side of that, you know, in the middle of that bell-shaped curve is a bunch of other folks that just are interested in it mm-hmm. uh, and want to get into it, but they don't know where to start. So right. I think you're right. Right, right. Uh, any other cool, innovative uh, products in the saddle or mobile game? Um, you know, I think with, um, you know, like I, I think there was, there was one product and, and, and I've heard, I've seen some people talk about it after I, I did a, a thing on them. There's a company, a new company called tree sticks and, um, the sticks are, are carbon fiber and the, the steps I believe are also carbon fiber. And I, and I'm actually looking at one of the brochures right now. They, they clip together really nicely, mm-hmm. so it's it's not like a bunch of sticks sort of like strapped together with some sort of uh, buckle strap or night eyes strap or whatever. So they clip together nicely, and what the guy did was, if you think about the bottom step of your um, uh, of your stick, so these are carbon fiber and they're they're hollow, and he put in he built in aiders that yep. retract and come out of the bottom step yep and and i and and it it it, it looks super clean it doesn't look like it's going to be a pain at the end of the day because like i put aiders on some of my sticks and you know the aider you got to sort of secure that down and it flops out and it, it you know whatever and so for him to sort of build it into the stick not only were they liked and assuming they're built you know well built with from a carbon standpoint I think that that's a really nice addition to the marketplace in terms of having your aiders built in and you don't have to attach them or, or, and they're not, you know, so they're, and once they're on your backpack, they're out of the way. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, 
Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast on the first episode of the ATA one, he brought this up and he said Mm. he felt like this was one of the uh, most innovative products in the entire room. Did these guys win first place? No. So uh, first place was uh, a thing called Stealth Rig. And and actually, Jan, I'm going to try to sell you on stealth rig. Um, I'm going to try to get you to open up your wallet on that. So one, one second before, before we go into stealth rig, uh, yeah. tr- tree sticks, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so you, you felt like this product was pretty kick-ass. I, I thought it was good. I thought yeah. it was really good worth, worth future interest. Um, so I actually, um, you know, videotaped it and put it on, you know, the YouTube channel and all that. And the guy walks through the whole process and, and so I, I was I was impressed because I think it it fits it fills a need in the space for sure. Perfect. Okay. All right. What's this? What was this next one that you wanted to talk about? Well, stealth rig. Is, so have you ever heard of bow spider? Yes. Okay. When you go, uh, when you hunt mule deer, um, are do you carry your bow in hand the whole time? Or are you putting it strapping it to your backpack? How are you attaching? Yeah. So most of the time, it's on my backpack. And I am, you know, I walk around out there, hike around. Yeah. It's on my pack. I sit down, I take my bow off, and I start glassing. And that way, if I see anything, then I can take my bow and go. Okay. So bow spider, you know, is an attachment on top, on your bow, the side of your bow. And then there's like a receiver where it sort of slides in. And the idea with bow spider, for those that don't know, it, it, you can attach it to your backpack and it slots in there. And then, and then if you need to grab it, you can just pull it, you know, just pull it off your backpack. You don't have to take your backpack off. And so stealth rig is, is sort of the same idea, but it's, it's a magnet. It's a large magnet plate. Yep. And if you've ever done that with you, like, you know, like on your phone or, you know, these other things that you can use magnets for. So this, this other magnetic piece attaches to your uh, bow. And so you sort of slap it on your backpack. And it, and it keeps it really solid. Um, and it's just a way to quickly access and put away your bow when you're hunting out west, whether it's mule deer or elk or whatever. Yep. And um, and so that one first place, and I thought that was a pretty, I think that marketplace needed something else besides the bow spider. And so I think, you know, there was good reason for that to win because it is using magnets instead of sort of a plastic um, male and female component mm-hmm. setup. Um, did you so, did you mess I, around well, with I, that at all? Did you play around with that? A little bit, a little bit. I, I felt like it, like I just from a magnet standpoint, I wanted to see if it would, you know, how well it would hold, and it held pretty good. So here's um, the issue I have with magnets. Yeah, great. I have magnets on my bino case, my yeah. bino harness. I have magnets on uh, some of the backpacks that I use to wear the flap comes down and it sticks down yeah but the, the issue that i have with uh a, a male fe- i don't know is it a male female or is it just two flat ends that magnet together okay two, two flat two so flat. when you know depending on in order for a magnet to hold something it's got to be a strong magnet right if it's yeah. too strong yeah. the vibration could pull that off what I've had go wrong in the past with working with magnets has been it takes me a good, uh, you know, like a, yeah. uh, to get the magnet off and, you know, not too terribly hard, but enough that I may, I can't 
easily do it if I'm already w- within range of a, of a bedded deer, let's say, right? It, it just right. takes a lot of, and then you have to mess it around. Did you feel like there might be some of that with this product? You know, I, I didn't evaluate it in that way because you're right. If you, especially if you have it over your back mm-hmm. and you're torquing your shoulder a, a weird way. And then the other piece of that, Dan, is is the, the clapping back on, the cling, the the smack of that, those two things coming together. I mean, people have talked about vinyl harnesses that make a sound when they're in range of a of elk or mule deer and, and that alerts. So, I mean, so I, I didn't try it in that way. So you're yeah. absolutely right. I think there's you know there's an opportunity there for folks to to uh, maybe check it out if it, if if that is ever um at a you know at a retail store or at, at at some hunting show or something yeah but yeah okay all right what else so second place was i mentioned third place was the hyperlight climbing stuff from trophy line second place was the An- annihilator broadheads came out with a new two blade so i didn't spend any time with this admittedly um and 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 so but i did look at it from a little you know i look at it a little bit so are you familiar with the annihilator broadheads yep okay so they're sort of a triangle they punch holes they they um they they obviously cut but they just have a different dimension to uh you know to to how they wound the animal or go through the animal so annihilator came out with a two blade um it's uh gosh you know i don't i don't have it in front of me but with it on the on the inside of that two blade, like so near the ferrule, their blade, there the, those there's like a uh, they call it a scoop, and there's also two blades that sort of come up on each side of the broadhead. So you, in some ways, you almost have a six bladed broadhead with uh, two two edges, two broad wide edges, and then like two little blades on the each side. Um, so I don't know how different this is than any other it looks like a stealth bomber yeah yeah there you go so really it's not a true two blade it is a like you would compare to an iron will right it is a one two three four five six blade broadhead with those well you can call them a bleeder blade or you can call them fins or something that come north south out of the out of the two blade construction yeah so hypo the hypo two blade and it looks like it is single bevel um so um for those that are interested in that but it's an interesting looking broadhead i again i you know there's you could there's just so many variations of broadheads and i think they all do similar things i think um the best way to test that is is uh is it is in you know shooting it in through ballistic gel and shooting it you know into you know targets and that sort of thing but for, for what it's worth it, it won second place okay all right well i'll say this a guy could you know you've seen the youtube videos the guys who they shoot like 25 30 different broadheads into ballistics gel right and then they do some kind of analysis on that data and they come out with, here's one that was the most penetrative, here's one that was the sharpest blades, blah, 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 blah. And it could be someone's full-time job just doing that all year round if someone was willing to pay them. Because every year, new heads come out, and they kind of all do the same thing, man. They all kill deer. 
right? And so I feel like of all the products that are on the market, broadheads are a preference product where eh, I like this, right? Now, I'm a huge fan of Wasp broadheads. I'm confident in their performance. I like how they're uh, constructed, liked how they're made, but I've never compared them to any other broadhead because of uh, some kind of data that has been out there. Does that make sense? What I'm, what I'm trying to get at? It does. Yeah. I mean, for me, like you said, personal preference, like I, I shot deer with iron wheels and wasps and, and I, I went to a uh, mechanical this year and, and I just because of blood trails, like I just yep. wanted different blood trails, but the other piece of it is like the, that, that tools, those, broadheads that are made out of tool steel i mean they're so freaking hard to sharpen and and they don't they never in my opinion like the iron wheels they never get sharp enough to be scary sharp yeah because tool steel isn't designed like it's like your screwdriver is made of tool steel like well how you how sharp can you get your tool driver tool you know your uh yeah your screwdriver edge like well it's really freaking hard to get it you, know, you can't um cut meat with it yeah. Um, in my opinion, like like you can with with stainless steel, stainless yeah. steel. So for me, it's about stainless steel blades. I realize they're sort of disposable on some, on some level, but but they get so scary sharp. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like now this this uh, annihilator broadhead. It is made out of stainless steel, um, so it seems like it's it could be something that could, you know, for me personally, might be something I might look at just because I can use it, resharpen it, get it to a really scary edge and then, you know, reuse it again or whatever. But, um, but I agree. It's, you know, wasp. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good broadheads out there. It's just a personal preference sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what else? So um, there is a, a company called painted arrow yep. that has um, <clears throat> an attachment to your quiver. And we, I know we were talking about magnets again, or magnets earlier. Um, and the idea is that the, the, it's a magnet that's powerful enough to keep your phone on your bow as you shoot your bow to film your hunt mm-hmm. and, uh, or to film your shot actually, or, or whatever. And, and the guys on, um, on the uh, hunting public have, have started using this, this product. So some folks may be familiar with this, but I talked with them for a little bit and, that, and the idea really is not necessarily to be to film your hunt and be insta famous, but to film your hunt so you can check your shot afterwards. Yeah. And so you can look at it and say, "Oh, you know, I shot back, or I shot high, or or it was right. a great shot, or whatever." Right. And so I think I think that that I mean personally, I mean, how many deer have we shot, and we're like, your brain is playing tricks on you, and you're right. like, "Crap, I don't know where I hit him," you know? Right. I, I don't know if I'll go down that road because I don't know if I want another thing on my bow uh, to impact my shot. But but it is interesting to me uh, because it was very simple, streamlined, very you know very well thought out, and and the magnets you know you know really can really hold your phone there while you're recording that shot. So yeah. I look at a product like this and I say, cool, that's cool. You know, some people just want to put their phone on, but if I knew that I was going to record my hunt and i said that's my goal i want to go not just like kind of a willy-nilly all of a sudden want to do it because you you have to go you have to buy this 
you have to attach it to your weapon because I'm looking at pictures right now. It looks like it can mount to crossbows and compounds and and guns as well. And so I look at that and I say, why don't I just go get a camera for that, right? And I know that the attachments are, uh, you know, I'm looking at price points here anywhere from 50 to $75, it looks like, for this product. But if I really wanted to film my hunts, I feel like I would just go straight to uh, uh, some kind of action cam that that's out there. What's the... What's the main one that people attach to their guns? GoPro. Uh, either a GoPro or there's one industry specific that attaches to your bow uh, riser and it's act, It's kind of... Oh, act, oh the Tacticam. Tacticam, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd probably just go out and get a Tacticam. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so this is great, awesome option for people, but I just don't feel like even at 19 yards and I was recording this on my phone... And I put the pin right where I thought the pin should go. And I put a bad shot on my buck this year. I just don't see the the vibration through the shot being so consistent that I would that I would be able to to watch what the arrow actually did. Uh, and it would have to be crystal clear. There would have to be some kind of uh, like uh, Tacticam has a image stabilization when they record theirs, right? So there's mm. some sort of image stabilization. I don't know if there's Im- image stabilization on my phone. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? And so. That, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. You're right. Cause how, we've all seen that, that mm-hmm. shot. And it's like, okay, that was interesting, but you can't tell what the hell is going on. Um, no, that's a good point. It's, I think, you know, for me personally, I, I don't know, again, I don't know if I would do it, but I thought it was a good idea and I think for some folks it might be interesting, or even if there's just an attachment for it that is on your um, your accessory strap, yeah. And you're like, you can slap your phone on there and hit record and not worry about like because we all bring our phone to the stand. I don't, you know, maybe we don't have a GoPro or a Tacticam or whatever, but you just you know slap it on a magnet that yeah. and then hit record and not. But, but ultimately, I thought that was interesting. Um, I think one of the things that really jumped out at one best technology was a, a company called, uh, it's an app called Quiver, uh, but it's Q-U-I-V-A-R. And um, if, um, so I have a 3D target in my backyard and, you know, I shoot it, my son shoots it um, and you can go up to any 3d target or any 2d target even and it and the, the um artificial intelligence or whatever it is the the, the magic the, the 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 wizardry that it comes with shows you in internal organs of an animal of that animal and you can scan that arrow and it'll show you where that arrow what it hit like liver double lung single lung and it also records, it, it keeps track of your groups in terms of um, uh, variance from, you know, uh, bullseye or yeah. whatever. And so it can really quantify what how you, what you're doing or not doing in terms of your of your shooting. 
And so um, I thought that was a really neat app because even as I like work with my kids on uh, shot selection, you know, we can look at it and say, okay, well, well, you know, it looked like a decent shot, but you actually hit a little far back. That would have been a gut shot. And that would have been uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I thought that was, I thought that's something that, I'm like kind of surprised I hadn't thought of or someone else hadn't thought of already. Yeah. Cause it's, they have thought of this and it is. So I'm assuming that Welcome you, the you pick training and shot. I'm analysis. looking at, I'm looking at a video right now. I'm going to fast forward through some of it here. A simple, easy to use app. Okay. No yep. Okay. So you go up to your, you go up to your target and you just put the phone up and it shows you almost like a filter on Instagram. It shows yeah. you where your arrow is and where the lungs are at. There's, it's not exactly like this. This is great for target, but what happens in the real world when you don't have the deer there to, to say what happens? And they have a similar technology to this. It's on the DeerCast um, uh, app. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, where you yeah. can. Okay, talk to us about that. Tell us what the angle is. Tell us what the penetration was. Tell us what um, was he hard quartering? Was he away? And and was he broadside? Whatever the case may be, and it'll tell you the likelihood of you know up oh, no meat or you got lung. I don't know how accurate it was because I used it on my buck this year. And they didn't, <laughs> this, this is how bad my shot was this year. They didn't have an option for <laughs> where my arrow went. So that's how bad of a shot I put on the deer uh, was this year. So I'm always, I'm always skeptical of things like this. Well, I mean, this is, this is a little bit different than the deer cast thing. Yeah, though, it is. Dan, because it is. This is something that you're doing in your backyard and it's helping you get a sense of what, and I just when I when I experienced it, I, I thought it was I thought it was really well done and I could see like if I'm hunting different game, you know, like I understand that a, on a on a black bear, that's you know, its vitals are up more forward. And I talked to these guys about that and they're like, Yes, absolutely, and this, you know, accounts for that. And so, you know, I think if you are um and if you're working with, you know, with young people, I think it's a great tool now if the app is really expensive then maybe it's not worth it but i think the idea of keeping track of your groups and understanding what your groups are looking at instead of just subjectively like well that looks pretty good they're all in a pie plate you know really saying oh my groups were actually tighter because of you know a change that i've made or whatever so yep. that was an app that won best uh best new technology at the at the ata yeah that's pretty cool and it's true technology Right. I mean, it's an it's an app for your phone. So, yeah. Um, anything else? Well, you know, there was, um, you know, Garmin came out with something, um, you know, for those folks that are that have sort of their own bow shop or want to create their own bow shop. You know, it's nice to have a chronograph to look at your feet per second mm -hmm. with your arrow. Uh, this chronograph that that Garmin has come out with is almost like the size of a GoPro. And it's, you know, if you look at, if you compare that to other chronographs in the shooting space or the archery space, they're much bigger and there's much, they, they require more like lighting and, and different room. sort of things. Yep, yeah. Room. This yep. is, this is something you could put in your pocket and it works for both, you know, gun and bow. 
And I thought that was a really neat technology. Now that's 600 bucks. So you have to really be a serious shooter and really uh, interested in some of those, um, some of those numbers if, if you're going to invest in that device. But it's the Garmin Zero C1 Pro Chronograph. Yep. And, and that came out a couple months ago. Uh, it, it wasn't brand, brand new at the ATA, so some folks have maybe heard about that. But I thought that was something that's going to disrupt that space. It's going to probably 100%. take over that space. It's going to take it over. Like, you, you're, you nailed it. This thing fits in your pocket and does the exact same thing that the regular chronograph does that's the size of a television. It takes up about the same space as a, or a computer monitor. Plus, you have to have it on stilts right uh, or a tri another tripod this right here looks like you just take it out of your pocket you set it up turn it on pop shoot yeah. it that's and, that, and it that's keeps pretty track. sweet yeah it keeps track it keeps track it has a it has an app that comes with it that app you can look at your shots you know you know previous groups from you know months ago weeks ago whatever so if you are really you know need to spend 600 bucks this might be good and you know a good way to spend it yeah I think this would be cool, a cool purchase just to have what, like if you like for me, maybe not so much cause I'm so heavily focused on archery, but if you're a gun nut and, and you shoot archery, this would be a pretty sweet gift to get. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like I've, I, I, I'm a little bit into the rifle space and ballistics and, I'm not nine miles deep, but yeah. if I were more into that space, then yeah, this would be something that would be on my Christmas list or, or something I would buy yeah. uh, for my, for my uh, setup. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a pretty sweet one. Uh, what else? The, um, you know, I'm looking at my list here. I, you know, there were some other things, um, there was a, uh, this is, this will be the last one. There is a company called, they have a weird name. It's called Nilchi, N-I-L-C-H-I. I don't even know if they have a, oh yeah, they do have a website, Nilchi.com, N-I-L-C-H-I. And this could apply for really anybody. It's, they, their motto is hunt the wind. And so we all have these little uh, puffer bottles or I use milkweed for to understand you know what the wind and thermals are doing this little nilchi um, squeeze bottle thing is um, about the size of a quarter it's sort of like a little inflated quarter sized balloon it's filled with um, some powder and i think the powder is something they've come up with that's a little different than what you get in in your other you know squeeze bottles from uh, walmart but this thing is teeny, teeny, tiny, and their their thought is let let's make this and put this uh, on our bow, uh, like with a little bitty um, a bucket or a little attachment that that it sits in, uh, or it can be attached to the top of your the rim of your hat or your bino harness or other things, so that um, it's not it's sort of off of you or away from you or whatever. So what's uh, the what was the website? N N I L C H I dot com Nilchi. Nilchi. Okay, I see. Uh, and let's browse their product. Oh, my mouse just died. Perfect. Perfect. 
Anyway, uh, I'm at the website, but I don't have any power in my, so I'm gonna charge that. Um, and is it a is it a wind detector or how yeah, is it? Yeah, it's it's a little bit like a puffer, a puffy, uh, you know, the, the little bottles of of whatever that is, uh, talc powder or whatever. So it's, um, but it's a, a little bitty small quarter size balloon. And when we were demonstrating it, I, I thought it was really interesting and effective. And then the, the attachment method to like your, he had it on his hat or you can put it, he had a couple of them on his bows, his bow at different spots. And it was just sort of there, but like, I think I, I constantly am putting my milkweed in a pocket. And so I got to dig it out of a pocket or, you know, the puffer bottle somewhere and I got to dig for it. And I just, I thought it was a good, a neat idea. Um, you know, it's, you know, probably a really inexpensive option for, um, you know, understanding what the wind is doing, but that's, right. that was Nilchi and, and that was kind of an interesting product. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and that was the last one, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, there were some guys there, there was a guy there, Dan, that, um, that had come up with a, he was with Twisted Iron Outdoors, come up with a, a pack system for your platform and your sticks. And um, it, I, I can't remember the name of the product, but he had had a product uh, a couple years ago or last year called the Boot Bandolier. But uh, with this product, it was, um, you slide your platform in and you have these straps that go around your sticks and it's a backpack. Okay. And then when you get to your tree and you're ever and you're up, that that backpack is flat and it's padded and it becomes sort of a knee pad. So if you're saddle hunting, it straps around the tree. It's got some pockets. It's got its cushion, so it becomes a knee pad when you're up in the tree. But when you're hiking, it's your it's your pack for your platform and your sticks. And those guys were real nice and small company. And um, I was really impressed with the the thought that went into the design of that of that yeah. pack because. You know, I, I don't even see anything like that from the actual saddle companies. Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. Idea. Maybe someone will steal this. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but a saddle that is also a backpack. Like you can, you wear it, you wear it like a backpack. Okay. It holds your sticks. It holds your platform. You get to the bottom of the tree. You unzip it. It turns into a saddle. You... You take your platform off of it, you take your sticks off of it, and you go up the tree. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. You think okay. you think something like that could ever make me a million dollars? I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to understand it more. <laughs> it would, of... That idea would have to suck a lot less is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no. It's a great <laughs> idea, Dan. I think, I think you should go think you should start the patent on that right now right now there you go um no it's i the, the cool thing is there's a lot of room for for new mm -hmm. new toys within the hunting space and and so um there were some things that there was a couple things well there was one thing in particular and i won't even mention it where the guy talked to me for 10 to 15 minutes about it it was a great idea but but he, he spent 10 years on it on developing it but like if your sales pitch is 15 minutes long and you got to explain all these yeah. different ways, it, it's not, it just isn't going to hit the market very well. You have to pare it down to get it to 30 minutes or not, not 30 minutes, uh, 
three minutes or less. Right. Um, really right. even like 30 seconds. And, um, and so it, it, you meet folks like that from time to time and you're like, Oh, I like the idea, but you need somebody that's a salesperson or in marketing right. to sort of to oh, shape this. Without a doubt. I've been there, man. I, I have, I've walked through the ATA aisles. I've seen a product and I'm just like, dude, this is awesome. This is awesome. Dude, tell me about this. Well, oh no. And and then you don't ever see anything from that product again because the guy, you know, the guy just couldn't sell it. Also, I've had some guys who would were great salesmen, but I can remember one time a, I went to the ATA show, guy had this tree stand. It was heavy. You you damn near needed a uh, a pulley system to get it up into the tree. Okay, it was a hang on. It was huge. It probably weighed fifty pounds, I'm guessing, but you could kind of walk around the tree with it. It was huge, right? So oh, the, the, the platform platform kind of wrapped around the tree. First first day of the ATA show, this guy was hyped to be there. He's t- telling everybody about it. Then guys like me come along and be like, and just, I don't, you know, not trying to insult what he has created, but just asking questions like, who is your demographic here? Well, it's the person who is this, 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 and this. I'm like, do you understand how long it will take to set up this in your tree? And the tree has to be straight up and down. If there's any curve in it, this product won't work. It has to be straight up and down. And by the end of the show, I can't even remember what the name of the company was, but by the end of the show, the guy wasn't talking to anybody. He was just sitting there mm. like this because maybe he didn't put enough thought into the product before bringing it to the ATA show because yeah. he talked with a bunch of people who were like, do it, do it, do it. And not with the the people who are going to give him real criticism for the for the yeah. product, right? And so I I haven't heard anything from that product since. So maybe they're maybe, yeah, maybe they're I, in business. I haven't looked. You sort of you sort of hate that because people yeah. spend a lot of time, energy, and money yep, not, not only to be there, but just you know. Hey, to they took a shot. It. They took a shot. Yeah. So. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, update us on the ATA show. Really appreciate the the thoughtfulness that went into all of the products that you uh, took a look at. And, uh, man, we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, everybody check out Hunt Detail Podcast yep. on the Sportsman's Empire. Thank you again for bringing me on board, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. And uh hunt detail the full videos i have some clips but i think the full videos are going to go on your youtube channel the hunt detail you youtube channel right well actually um they're one and the same okay so anything the that same. you roll out on sportsman's empire is going to be the same thing on my youtube channel as gotcha well. gotcha um, really good covering- in-depth conversation really good detail uh jacob here is uh really good at that so go check it go check out the hunt detail youtube channel the hunt detail podcast and uh of course it's all on the sportsman's empire and good luck with half sneak gear (laughs) thank you dan (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be a blockbuster let me tell you (laughs) it's gonna be a game changer 
That's right. It's a game changer. <laughs> Thanks again, Dan. Appreciate it.